What is going on, Wisconsin sports fans? This is the Cheese Dad Sports Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Robin, but tonight I am joined by a special guest, Tyler from Wisconsin Sports Heroics, our main Brewers guy, because tonight we are talking some Brewers baseball. How are you doing tonight, Tyler? I'm doing good, and, and thanks for having me on the pod, even though I'm not a dad. I don't know if I'm qualified now to, to be on. Well, you know. <laughs> That's okay. We don't we don't discriminate on the cheese dads. It's twenty twenty two. I got animals, that counts. Try to be all all inclusive. <laughs> so it's not even baseball season, but we sure had a lot of news out of the Brewers camp this week. Tyler, you wrote you, you broke it down really well over on WisconsinSportsRogues.com. What do you think of some of these moves? Yeah, like I said, November is just a really busy time. I mean, if you go in chronological order, I guess, with, with moves here, I guess you'd kind of have to start at the deadline to protect the um, guys who are going to be eligible for the Rule 5 draft. So they end up um, – Predicting or taking uh, Bryce Terang on the 40-man, Cam Robinson, John Singleton, um, and then why am I blanking on the last guy? It was another pitcher, wasn't it? I think so. Um, but yeah, it, it was. I think we all knew. I'll figure it out here in a second. We all I think we all knew Bryce Terang was a lock to go on. I think uh, but, he has a pretty good shot of making the opening day roster myself. At least I did think that until they picked up Colton Wong's option. Yeah, that really caught everyone by surprise as well. Except Matt Arnold, apparently. He was surprised yeah. that everyone was surprised. <laughs> well, I don't know if Matt Arnold is on Twitter very much. <laughs> yeah, he might have a point there. Um, but yeah, I guess, you know, adding, adding to or adding a uh, terrain and retaining Wong, I don't know. Does it kind of set them up to, you know, kind of ease terrain in as a kind of utility player at first, kind of like replace Jace Peterson. I think that's kind of where they're going with this at this point, sticking with the veteran and, and ease the rookie in. I think that might be the plan because Jace Peterson is a free agent, of course, and his market value is a little over $6 million, and I just can't see the Brewers paying him that much. Is it really? $6 million? Yeah, oh according to, according to SpotRack. Huh. Yeah, yeah there's, he, uh, there's no way. Cause the last, there's no way they would do that. He was on like a like a $2 million deal last year, I believe. Or SpotRack says $1.8 I mean, he was good in the first half. Like, he's great, you know, to fill in here and every now and then, but he's not like someone who's... Gonna, you're going to rely on consistently contribute to your offense, um, just just kind of fill in. But you can obviously you know add Terang in there at a lot cheaper price tag, and then it allows him to get experience and you know not doesn't have to go through the demands of an everyday job right away. So I think win for the Brewers. Yeah, I would say the biggest surprise for me of those guys they protected was John Singleton. Big left-handed first baseman, which we already have. And the thing is, Singleton has had a cup of coffee in the major leagues with Houston, 
and he was terrible. However, in AAA, he did very well. And the Brewers don't really have great first base prospects, so I guess if you want to keep your AAA team competitive, he's a good guy to have. But using a 40-man roster spot for him is pretty questionable for me. Yeah, I thought a little bit of the same as well. I mean, like you said, he's got some good power, but he strikes out a lot. And I think Matt Arnold used the reference that the DH provides us the versatility to to be able to use him. But honestly, if I'm reflecting on John Singleton, like I'm, he's like a guy I'm rooting for right now. But like, will he make it out of camp still spring training camp still on the 40 man roster? I think I have my doubts at this point. Yeah, and, you know, there was a lot of conjecture when that was, when when the move was made to put him on the 40-man roster. What does that mean for Rowdy? What does that mean for Keston? Are they looking to trade one of them? I mean, if they're going to trade Keston, I'm okay with that. We've We've been doing this experiment for the last three years now after his 2019 call-up and great play. And if they want to move on from him now, you know, his market may not be better at this point. It, it, I hope it gets better because that means he'll be playing better, but Keston at least is right-handed and also allows you some positional diversity as he can play left field, he can man second base, I guess is a way to put it. He can't really play it. He can man it. And then he's also there over there at first. And I've seen a lot worse defensive first baseman than him. Yeah, I think Keston made a lot of strides defensively at first base, kind of since he started there a few years ago. But... Kind of like you're saying, they're they're at a crossroads with here right now. He's out of minor league options, so if they ever do want to send him down, he's got to clear waivers. So is he going to clear waivers? I highly doubt it, even though, you know, like we said, his value may not be the greatest. So, like, I, if I had to look into a crystal ball, I'm saying here is getting dealt for some low-level prospect at some point this offseason because they did announce that they're going to tender him a contract, but I – I think they're looking to ship them. They have to be. Yeah, I mean, I just don't know with him. And I think that for someone like him, maybe a change of scenery would be beneficial because he's got all the talent in the world, at least at the plate. That's true. And he does have a lot of talent. Even when he was showing it back in 2019, it was like, he was always blocked by someone. And then he had that nice run and had the shortened COVID 2020 season where the strikeouts are high, but he hit for power. And then obviously 2021, we know he, he was not very good at all and kind of bounced back this year, had some, had some moments. Um, but yeah, tough situation for him because he bats right-handed, but can't hit left-handed hitters. And now you have Singleton also at first base as a left-handed hitter, no minor league options remaining. Uh, I can't see them sticking with three of these guys uh, coming no. in. No, absolutely not. So it's going to be interesting to see 
how that goes. I think that the thing that we can both agree on is that Rowdy is your opening day first baseman. For sure. And if the Brewers think any, if anyone in the Brewers organization thinks otherwise, they need to be fired immediately. Because <laughs> we have we have had a different starting first baseman on opening day every season since Prince Fielder left. Every single year on opening day, there has been a different starting first baseman. It's a curse, you know, it's like, it was like the starting pitcher curse for a while. And now I think Robbie's yeah. going to snap that. So thank goodness for that. Um, oh, it was Abner Arebe was the other uh, oh, pitcher yes. who was protected, which. He had a great, great fall league. Yeah, he's the one to really be excited about just from his yes. high velocity, touching triple digits. And it looks like, as you mentioned in the fall league, he found his control, which is going to be huge for him. Yes. Speaking of positions that are cursed, third base. I was doing some thinking, which is dangerous for me. I think we have our starting third baseman. It's Mike Brasso. <laughs> okay. Elaborate. Now before you before before you laugh at me completely, here's here's why I think that. Okay, so Brasso. About 140 at bats. Six home runs, 24 RBI. And you're gonna say, yeah, Robin. Because it was against like left lefties, because he's right-handed and he can crush them, but he's terrible against righties. And to you I say, Oh, you're right. But here's the thing. Luis Orius was worse. <laughs> and so we, we both know that the Brewers are not going to spend a whole lot of money, and we both know that the third base market sucks this year. So unless they're going to go out and rent a guy for a year, which they're not going to because the guy only guys that are worth renting are going to cost them $15 million plus, thinking about Justin Turner. Mike Brasso has got to start at third over Luis Orius. Because he, even if you put him in against the righties, and everything he still had and his on base percentage was only three points lower against righties than it was against lefties and his slugging percentage was just a few points lower so if you stick brasso in everyday third base you're probably going to get a guy who's going to hit 240 hit you 25 home runs and about 80 rbi and isn't that what we kind of needed out of third base this year? Yeah, Urias certainly did not perform to, to expectations. Um, I did some digging around a couple months ago, kind of on what's going on there. Because I was like, man, he just fell off a cliff. Obviously, batting average fell. Um, on base percentage wasn't too far away. Slugging was down. And then I looked at, like, I was like, well, he certainly didn't collect a lot of RBIs, just 47 RBIs, where he had 75 in 2021. I think Urias hit, it was like 156 or something with runners in scoring position last year. Just some dreadful number. So, you know, I feel like if he can hit better situationally, that, that would help. Um, I'm not opposed to seeing more of Mike Brasso. I like Brasso. He obviously was injured a couple different times this last year, so we didn't get the full experience out of him. And he's got options left, so he has spent some time down there as well. But 
it very well could be just a, a ride the hot hand between the two of them and just kind of battle it out. I fully understand that the Brewers will not make him the starting third baseman because they just don't do things that make sense to me. But I do think that we, I guess what my point is, I think we have, I think we have more in Mike Brasso than what we got in 2022. And I'm excited to see him healthy and I'm excited that they're bringing him back because I think that he's phenomenal. Speaking of guys that are phenomenal, we lost the longest tenured brewer. This week, Brent Suter claimed off of waivers by Colorado. And the thing that I was most disturbed about that was that when I saw that he was claimed off of waivers, I was like, he was on waivers? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, the Brewers being sneaky like that. Oh, man. (laughs) I mean, they, they did the same thing with Mike. Or uh, with a box burger too, right before they announced yeah. the option, they placed them on waivers, and nobody knew until they're like, "Yeah, we're not picking it up." Just somebody claimed Brett Suter instead. But when you saw them that they weren't picking up box burgers, three point one million dollar option, I'm like, "There's no way they're picking up Suters, unfortunately." Yeah, which is crazy to me. Although I do think it's cool. I think Suter is originally from Colorado. So it is kind of cool for him to be going home to his team. But certainly, uh, I think that, you know, the whole story of the second half of the season after the trade deadline was how bad things were in the Brewers clubhouse. And they just waved like the one ray of sunshine that there was in that clubhouse. And so it, it's going to be a really interesting dynamic. I think seeing how, who's going to step up and be them, the main like cheerleader, who's going to keep things loose when it's down because, you know, Suter was not always the greatest pitcher, but he was also always the greatest teammate. Yeah, that clubhouse chemistry certainly got got exposed in just kind of relation to the front office this year, like you're saying. So he's one of those guys you're just going to miss, whether it's banging on the drums or just, you know, doing something very unathletic looking on the playing field. <laughs> he always seemed to bring an energy no matter what, and it's certainly going to be missed. Craig Council throwing up the Raptor sign <laughs> when he needed him in the game. I don't know. I and and he did a he did a lot for the community in Milwaukee, whether it was environmental work or social justice or things like that. He's irreplaceable in my opinion in that aspect. So hoping that he succeeds in Colorado because he deserves it. Yeah, I certainly agree. He's definitely a great Great person, great ball player. I was trying to get this to post on Twitter, but you know how Twitter is with videos. When I got to go to to Fenway this year, Suter's family was right behind my dad and I while we were there. So we kind of got, we were talking. I didn't know it was them at first. So like it was some distant relatives and then like his kid was kind of 
really far down the row. So I didn't really know who I was talking to until the end of the game. And um, they ended up sending my dad and I a video the next morning of Brett Suter. He's like, oh my gosh, thank you, Tyler and Joel. My dad named, thanks for coming from Milwaukee all the way to watch us play game one. Yeah, let's go. And he's just super enthused. and like, he didn't have to do that. Like, that's one of the, that's super cool. <laughs> yeah, super cool guy. And, and of course, we got to take a moment and say we're sorry to John Egan, the Brewers Raptor. He's got to rebrand again. Because <laughs> he's formerly Brewers Moose. And they... <laughs> Ever to Mike Moustakas. So, gonna look forward to see what John comes up with for that Twitter account there. Uh, yeah, there's there's some interesting ones he could choose from. Uh, hope he doesn't go with uh, like Matt Bush's actual Bush. Or... <laughs> 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 That'd be a bad one. <laughs> oh, yeah, he should he should really pick like a rookie. So that he's guaranteed to be able to keep that around for a few years. But uh, Matt Bush, uh, speaking of Matt Bush, he will be back with the Brewers. You know, I don't hate that. He was not great. He also wasn't the worst. But I think as far as they're not bringing back Boxberger yet, I mean, maybe they will. They'll get get him for cheap, maybe. I don't know. I hope they do, because I really liked him. But of all the guys we ended up keeping at the trade deadline, I thought Matt Bush was the best one. <laughs> well, I mean... Not saying much, but he was. Uh, well, you know, when Rosenthal doesn't pitch, it's, you know, I can't really compare him there. But <laughs> I, I think we're going to like Matt Bush in a full... A full season. It's going to be, I think yeah. we're going to be pleasantly surprised and he's going to be a good contributor for us. Yes. So they avoided arbitration with him. They also avoided arbitration with Adrian Hauser. Man, I'm not really high on Adrian Hauser. <laughs> I mean, yep. he is what he is at this point. He's going to, he's not going to be. God awful all season long. He'll just be god awful for half the season. And he'll be like, what is going on good for like a good quarter of the season and mediocre for the other quarter? And when you throw it all together, you got a guy who's probably going to be 8 and 12 with a 4.34 ERA and maybe an IL stint thrown in. Yeah, hopefully no mound puking either, but I don't know. Hey, he was really good when he was puking on the mound. <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, I don't know. It's like, off, it's like the question of one of the offseason. Is Adrian Hauser good? I mean, comes off a career year la- or in 2021 and not so good last year. It's frustrating, that's for sure. This is his last year of arbitration, correct? This is his last year of team? I control. believe it is, Yes. So. Which means that the Brewers will either trade him at the end of, like, midway through the season, or this is it for him in Milwaukee. I don't see him coming back. Yeah, I think it was, uh, it was Kurt Hogg on, yeah, on Twitter the other day at the tender deadline who's talking about, you know, when's the last time a pitcher made it through all their arbitration years? I think it went all the way back to Giovanni Gallardo. 
It was Giovanni Gallardo. That's yep. crazy. Yeah, I don't foresee Adrian Hauser uh, bucking that trend, so. I don't foresee anyone on our roster bucking that trend. I hope Brandon Woodruff, hope we're able to extend Brandon Woodruff. I would love for us to extend Corbin Burns, but I'm a realist, and I know that that is not going to happen. Yeah, all those. We, rooms you know, we still we still are guaranteed two years at least two years with him. We already have other fan bases throwing out ridiculous trade proposals. <laughs> Which you wrote about one right with the Giants. Would you like to explain a little bit about that and how god awful that was? Oh man, yeah, it was it was a fan mailbag questionnaire from the Athletic, and a fan proposed, you know, to the coming in about the Giants is like, you know, do you think the Giants could target Corbin Burns? He's going to be one of the, the top available, you know, through trades this offseason if he's available. And I think we can get him without giving up any of our top three prospects. <laughs> I'm like, uh, well, let's see. You two, Your first two prospects are in the top 25 of, you know, MLB pipeline. And then the third one is just the stud left-handed pitcher who just throws gas and struck out like 180 batters in 113 innings this year. I'm like, granted, none of them have played higher than double A, but I'm like, you're going to have to part ways with probably all of them or two, at least, you know, you, we all thought all fan bases thought we were ridiculous in our Josh Hader, like trade packages, but like, this is Corbin Burns, a Cy Young winner, going to be Cy Young candidate. Starters are more valuable than relievers. It's going to be an insane haul. If, they would do it this offseason. That's all I'm going to say with that. <laughs> I saw some Yankees fans saying, we could get Corbin Burns without trading Volpe. And I'm like, no, you can't. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. If you want Corbin Burns, Volpe's ours. Like, that's just the reality of it. And you're right. Like, Cor- like Josh Hader is one thing. Corbin Burns is a whole nother thing. And this is a guy who's got easily 10 to 12 years left in him, in the big league level, who's going to be a Cy Young and all-star for all of those years. You're going to have to give up major, major talent to get him now. Yeah, course, as, as his arbitration years go down, <laughs> his value will go down. So maybe next year at the trade deadline, (laughs) they can get him without parting ways with one of those three. But I doubt it. Oh, man. Yeah. It's going to be just, I can already see it already. It's just going to be nonstop rumors of Corbin Burns throughout the next however long, either A, until he is actually traded or he's extended. I mean, it's going to be one of the two. It'd be nice to say, yeah, we'll just ride him out through his arbitration years. But, I mean, this is the Brewers. If they're not going to retain him, they're going to want to get something in return. So Yeah, they're not going to. The the only way I can see it happening is if it was uh, Prince Fielder in 2011 all over again. It was his last year of arbitration. But the Brewers 
were in a pennant race and they got to the NLCS. And so they did not unload him. He ended up leaving in free agency. But we got to game six of the NLCS and he was a huge part of that. I don't think we get that far without him. So if the Brewers are, you know, 20 games up in the central at the trade deadline and they're looking great, like this is a World Series team next year, they'll hold they'll hold Burns and make make the World Series run with him and just get the compensatory draft pick or whatever it is that we get awarded for him going elsewhere. But the main thing is that he is not going to be in Milwaukee past 2024. Yeah, I can't foresee them shelling out close to $30 million a year. It's it's hard to, to picture, that's for sure. Brandon Woodruff, yeah. probably be a little less than that, maybe. Yeah, I think that he'll be about 15-ish. Um, yeah, 15, 20, I would bet. Yeah. I guess it depends how he does next year, too. So if he puts it out another Cy Young candidate season, then the price tag goes up. Well, so maybe we should extend him this offseason. Hey, there you go. Now, now we're talking. But we do have Freddie Peralta. We got Aaron Ashby. Those are nice consolation prizes. They're not Burns and Woodruff, but they're nice. Yeah, there's a lot of development left there. I mean, not necessarily Peralta. He's just got to stay healthy, but... Ashby's got a lot of developing to go. They're really high on Robert Gasser, who was acquired in the the hater trade. He um, looked you know. good in double A. Mm-hmm. He did Biloxi nice. He looked very nice. Man, he might end up being he might end up being the best player that we got out of that trade. I do think that they're gonna unload Ruiz at some point though. Estrui Ruiz. He's so fast. But I do think that with our own crop of outfield prospects. We are loaded in the we got Churio, of course, top two prospect in all of baseball. Yeah, Sal Freelich, Garrett Mitchell, Joey Weimar, and then Ruiz. It's a lot. There's a lot of speed there, and that's uh you know, the rule changes in the MLB are, I think, catering to that a little bit. You can only throw throw off to a base twice. You have to, There's a pitch clock coming. Uh, so, you know, can you get a better jump if the clock's getting down, kind of like you, you see linemen doing in football? Absolutely. The bases are bigger. So speed's going to be a very important part, and I think the Brewers are setting themselves up nicely with these speedy prospects. I agree. Speaking of speedy prospects... Jefferson Caro had 10 stolen bases last year as a catcher. (laughs) Now, I know this guy is like two years away from the majors, but it begs the question, what are the Brewers going to do at catcher? Because, I mean, obviously this guy, I mean, he's our top sixth prospect, I think, number six in the system. He's going to be... Solid, solid catcher. I think he threw out 46% of would-be base dealers this year in the minors. And, you know, it's the minors, so it's like ridiculous attempt numbers. Like, they attempted over 100 steals on him, and he threw out 46%. 
Yeah, he's got a cannon, that's for sure. There aren't many minor league catchers who have a stronger throwing arm than Jefferson Cuero. There's, there's a lot to be excited about him, and he's very, very young yet. I don't remember his exact age. but he's, yeah, got he's a, like 19 or 20. Yeah, which is just, like just crazy. And I think I think the stat I read was like when they his like max speed, like um, you know, if he's throwing down to second base, like he was in like the fiftieth percentile of like major league catchers already at that age. And he's yeah. still gonna get stronger. Yeah. So what are they gonna do at catcher from now until then? Oh Omar Devise is a free agent. Cubs apparently want him. They can have him. We have Victor Caratini back. He's been tendered to contract. And then after that, we have Mario Feliciano, who we've been waiting on for a long time. And I was, you know, for the longest time on the Feliciano train. Like This is the guy. This is the future at catcher. Haven't seen it because he's been hurt a lot. And then there's Peyton Henry and Alex Jackson, who was our emergency catcher. Narvaez was hurt. Carantini got COVID. And he was the single-A catcher up in Appleton. They're like, get down here, guy. <laughs> so I don't know what they're going to do at catcher this year. I... Carantini, I liked Carantini. You know, he was very close to breaking a record. He tied the Brewers' record for most consecutive games with a home run by a catcher with three. <laughs> he kind of fell off after that. <laughs> but he's got some good pop. He calls a good game, I think. And I guess that's what you need out of a catcher. But I don't know if he's a starter. That is the million-dollar question because, like you said, he started off so hot but finishes with a batting average below the Mendoza line, and it's like, mm-hmm. oof. It's, it got rough uh, towards the end there offensively. Defensively, yeah, I, I like him too. But uh, they got some work to do at catcher here. I honestly thought Caratini was going to be one of those guys that they non-tender at the deadline this year, and then they kind of – roll with a Feliciano, Peyton Henry kind of backup and bring in someone new. But who knows? They, yeah, they have I to bring figured, in someone else. I figure that, you know, if they don't, like you almost have to say to Feliciano, like, you got two years because we got Carol. Show, show us what you can do, you know? Yeah, he, he deserves a shot. I mean, when he's healthy, he's done so well. So, I mean, this a, is a guy who was the 2019 Carolina League MVP. I think he hit 19 home runs, drove in about 80 runs. He's got some pop. He's got a few holes in his defense as a catcher. Definitely not as good defensively as as Carroll is going to be, but you know, at some point, he's been a top ten prospect in our system for years now, and it's to the point where you gotta let him let him go, and 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 get the job done, or let him go somewhere else. 
Yeah, I mean, as the depth chart stands right now, it's it's kind of hodgepodge between, you know, Caratini, Feliciano, Henry. But for me, I, I just feel like there's another move coming. Like the Blue Jays have a plethora of catchers, you know. Go out and get Alejandro Kirk. That dude looks like he should be a brewer. He's built like <laughs> Milwaukee. Like, and he there can hit. <laughs> and we need hitters. We need hitters. We sure do. Ah, tell me about Javi Guerra. We traded for him for a player to be named later. Those always scare me. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, you never know. Maybe a little, you know, give him some coupons to the restaurant. I don't know. But (laughs) Javi Guerra is kind of, he's kind of a fun story. When I was digging into him, I was like, never heard of the guy. So First thing I do to do is I go to his uh, minor league baseball page and you know scroll through all the transactions. I'm like, okay, signed by the Red Sox in 2012. He was traded in the or involved in the Keg Krimbrel to Boston deal in 2015. And he was shipped to San Diego at that point, and at that point he was actually a shortstop, so wasn't even pitching. He okay. continued to be a shortstop up until 2018, and then it's like, well can't hit so i got a i got a cannon so i'll start pitching and then he sure shit he makes his major league debut in september of his first year pitching granted that's that you sounds know, like, exactly like our last gara <laughs> <laughs> only he was a catcher wasn't he oh, i can't remember and uh that gara was pretty old this one's still in his 20s <laughs> Yeah, That's I mean, hilarious. It is hilarious. But he's got some good velocity to him. 97, 98 sinker, throws a good slider. He's not really generating a lot of whiffs right now, uh, but I think you plug him into the Brewers pitching lab and, and see what happens. They're going to they're gonna work some magic on him. That Brewers pitching lab has done some wonderful, wonderful things. Well... Let's look at some of these guys that we did tender and talk about their long-term futures. We already talked about Keston. We don't know about that one. Rowdy Telez. I'm of the opinion you ride Rowdy till you can't ride him anymore. Because you don't have... A first base prospect worth anything except for John Singleton, who I am not ready to give a major league spot to. And Rowdy, even though he looks like a 50-year-old playing church league softball, he's still rather young. Plays a solid first base. If he can give you, what, even if it's 220, with a 350 on base percentage, 35 home runs, I'll take that. Yeah, me too. I mean, I don't see any reason to, to sway from Rowdy, like you said. I mean, he's definitely going to be a preferred lock to, to be with us next year. Um, we already talked about Luis Arias. Like, eh, I don't know what's going to happen there. Uh, other guys in the infield, obviously they they tendered Mike Brasso. We talked about Willie Adams. Willie Adams, extend that man. Extend Willie Adams. I actually see a lot of people who are like 
say he's he was so bad because he hit like 220 last year and they're just mad at okay yeah like if you're grandpa and you only look at batting average okay but his OPS was right around league average and he and he set the the Brewers record for home runs in a season by a shortstop just okay boomer it's okay <laughs> yeah if he doesn't roll his ankle he most likely gets to 100 RBIs on the season that's yeah. hard production to find from a shortstop in arbitration so it's hard production to find anywhere true <laughs> In any position, 30 home runs and a 100 RBI, shoot, take that. And then in the outfield, we got Hunter Renfro. Man, our best hitter this year in terms of consistency, batting average, overall OPS was Hunter Renfro. And the dude has a cannon for an arm. And it may, for as bad as the trade deadline was for David Stearns in the front office, what a fleece it was <laughs> to get Hunter Renfro for Jackie Bradley Jr. I mean, JBJ didn't even finish the season in Boston. They ended up cutting him, and he finished the year in Toronto. Meanwhile, Renfro comes here, hits about 250, 27 home runs, I think. Something like that. Ton of outfield assists. Just love this guy in the outfield. I love him in right field. This upcoming year is his last year of arbitration as well. And so the big question is, is this his last year in Milwaukee? Or do they try to offer him an extension after the season? We've already talked about how deep the Brewers' pool is of outfield prospects. And as as fun as Freelich and Mitchell are, none, neither of them has the cannon that Renfro has in right field. And what it really... And this is where, like... I will never say that the Brewers should not have given Christian Yelich that contract extension because he certainly earned it. I won't even go as far to say that they're overpaying him because in his MVP seasons, he was making just over $7 million a year. And I was reading something where the value of his play that of in 2018 and 2019 the value was around a $60 million value. So I kind of look at it as we're paying him back. <laughs> but on the flip side of that, that contract from now until the end of this decade is really locking up one of those outfield spots and it, it's making it difficult. Now we have Renfro, who I would love to see the Brewers extend. But that means that you only have one outfield spot left for your four stud outfield prospects. And you just can't do that. Yep, you have an outfield problem. You're absolutely right. I do think there might be a time where we see Yelich shift over to DH 
at some point, just given how fast we already talked about the speed of some of these prospects. Um, and as much as I love Hunter, Ren- Hunter Renfro, the player that we have in our minor league organization that gets directly compared to him is Joey Weimer. So there's a lot of talk that, well, maybe he'll just slide right in there. And you you talk about paying back Yelich and this whole time, I'm like, well, think about it. We got all these young prospects coming up that are going to be severely underpaid. So we need, we basically need to get like great production out of a lot of these outfield prospects that are coming up while this Yelich deal is going on over the next decade to, to keep a competitive outfield at basically the cost of Christian Yelich is what it could come down to. The good news is that by the time Yelich's contract is up, these guys will hit arbitration and we'll be able to afford it. <laughs> exactly. So, there you go. Long-term planning. Yeah, as long as they hit, which I, these prospects have passed so many tests. They moved them up just so quickly. They moved them all up together. I mean, it just kind of brings you back to like what they did with like Weeks and Hardy Weeks. when they're all coming up. They're winning Ron together. Fielder, Corey Hart. Oh, yep. It's just got major deja vu written all over it, and I'm here for it. it. Sure I, does, and I mean it's very exciting because we we've seen how fun and exciting of a baseball team that can be. Now, obviously, we hope for more postseason success than we got with that core group. Well, yeah, I mean, at, back gonna, then, we can never get pitchers, and now we've suddenly well, see, that's felt pitchers saying. out of our butt. He's going to say it's all going to come down to pitching. <laughs> Hopefully, we can have Woodruff around for a while. I mean, of course, I hope we have Burns around forever, but I'm just being realistic. We won't. But if we can lock up Woodruff and have a a Woodruff, Peralta, Ashby, Lauer, I, I don't think that's the worst top four rotation in baseball. I would even put that up against any top four starting rotation in our division. Yeah, I would too. I mean, you talk about long-term planning for the organization, lock up these these pitchers and strike gold on some of these prospects, these college bats that we took a took a hit on, or trio coming up. He wasn't a college bat, obviously, but uh, future could look pretty good if a couple of them hit. And when you're talking about so many of them, it just increases our odds yeah. even more. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh the one pitcher I think we need to go out and get in free agency is Jose Quintana. I don't care if he sucks for us. We got to go get him so that we never have to face him. Because <laughs> he can be as bad as anything. But if he faces the Brewers, all of a sudden, he's prime Justin Verlander. Which I guess is Justin Verlander anywhere except the World Series. But, like, he's got our number. And he's pitched for just about everyone in the division except us. Yeah, you are right. <laughs> no, did he pitch the for Reds. the Reds? I don't think he pitched for the no, Reds. No, not the Reds, but he was with the Pirates, with the Cubs, with the Cardinals. Like, let's get him off the market before... No, just... Let's just, let's just get... Go get him. 
He can be a five starter or a six starter if we're going to do that six man rotation again. And just not having to face him will be worth it. <laughs> yeah, I probably should scoop him up before the uh, the Pirates reacquire him just so they can trade him at the deadline for a second season in a row. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But obviously Woodruff got his tender, Burns got his lower. Hobby Milner. He was a nice arm out of the bullpen last year. I think yeah, that that'll be good. That's for sure. Um, although some people say they saw it coming. I don't know, but soft toss and lefty. I mean, you kind of need those matchups every now and then. And and he did yeah. a great job at limiting inherited runners. So yes, he did he a did. lot for us. Yeah. I think that, I mean, there was a lot, a lot of reasons why the Brewers did not make the playoffs last year. And a lot of it was offense, inconsistent hitting, and a lot of it also was the bullpen. And you can tell by the guys that got non-tendered, who were Trevor Gott, Yandel Gustave and Luis Perdomo. That bullpen is going to look very different next year. And of course, Suter is gone. Boxberger is gone. I am very intrigued at what this bullpen is going to look like. Obviously, Williams is your closer. And we should all feel very comfortable with Williams as as the closer. But as far as what the other roles are going to look like, I don't know. Yeah, reliever, most uh, versatile position in baseball. You just, one year you can be on top of the world, the next you can't. So it... It's going to be interesting to see who comes out. I mean, we talked a little bit about Cam Robinson earlier, but he had a, a great year. I think he could be someone to watch out for. You wrote about Peter Strzelecki, who showed some great moments for us last year, and they're saying he could carve out a bigger role for us next year. So th- there's some good people to be excited about. Yeah, Strzelecki. You know, the Brewers, you, you had mentioned we have taken some chances on these college guys. Strzelecki was a pitcher at USF for a couple of years. Did okay there and really shot through our system very quickly. He he started in low A in 2019. And of course, there was no minor league season in 2020. And then, so he basically did two and a half years in the minors before making his big league debut, which is unheard of for a pitcher. Usually they require a lot more fine-tuning than that, and, and he looked very comfortable in the majors. Yeah, because he, he came up around the time we were shuffling around with, like, uh, 
Trevor Kelly and um, yep. Jason Alexander, I think, was kind of starting bullpenning at that time, and then they were given. Um, they were given our lefty starter his can of corn. Oh, small. Yep. Yeah, Ethan Small. Yep. Yeah. But yeah. Sometimes it's all about was, two and one, two eight three ERA, forty strikeouts in thirty five innings. I'll take it. Take that from him. Yeah, I mean, you look at like some, you don't need to go out and you know spend money on these relievers like Targeta, Canley, Jansen, or anything like that. Like yeah. you see some of these great teams, like take the Houston Astros for instance. They had Montero, who just they acquired through the trade in Seattle last year. Had like a five ERA at the time and. He was one of the best relievers in baseball this year. It, it just happens yes. so fast. You just you gotta be confident in your stuff, work with the right guys, and and put them in the right situations. And Craig Council's shown that he can, you know, for the most part, find a way to get those guys in the right situations. Didn't really help out a lot last year with sixteen blown well, saves, but <laughs> Tyler, are you saying that Craig Council can indeed manage a bullpen? <laughs> You're going to get us in trouble with Brewers Twitter, man. I know. I know. (laughs) (laughs) But I agree. I I think that Craig Council, more often than not, has managed our bullpen very well. I mean, there's a reason why we've had success ever since he was hired. He's a good manager. Easily should have two or three Manager of the Year awards under his belt. Obviously not deserving him one this year. But to be honest with you, I don't think Buck Showalter was either. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't really an impressive uh, a list to choose from this year, that's for sure. No. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to about wrap it up for us. want to thank Tyler for joining us. Tyler, can you tell the audience where they can follow you? Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Tyler Kurth. Last name is K-O-E-R-T-H. Obviously right for Wisconsin Sports Heroics and Reviewing the Brew. And if there's something baseball going on, that's where I'm at. So that's where you can find me. Yes, and I am Robin. Of course, follow me on Twitter at the other Robin 19 You all know where you can find me. Make sure you tune in on Tuesday night. Well, you're going to tune in Wednesday morning for the Graveyard Shift with Gilbert Brown. I want to thank Tyler again for joining me. We'll see you later.